opportunity to come up here and then be used as a vessel to speak unto all of us. And then another thanks goes to my presbytery for all the prayers they have said in their closet for me, knowing this is my first time up here. I'm sure they have prayed for me. Some have assured me of their prayers also. And then this being my first time, I would, I would like you all to forgive me if my voice starts shaking because this is probably the biggest congregation I've ever spoken to aside my family. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So after the ordination, our pastor told me, he would put me on this preaching plan. I was always telling him, Pastor, no be with there be my or more my dickens now. I promote some non starting that. But he put me up and then I didn't want to be the first person, so I tried to maneuver my way to go to the last. I did it, but <laughs> the first person who should have spoken was last week, but the welcome service took its place, so <laughs> whether I like it or not, I'm the first among my batch <laughs> to come up here, and it's all to the glory of God. Uh, shall we close our eyes? Heavenly Father, hallowed be your names in the heavens and earth here. We pray and thank you for giving us life to come and listen to you. We pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened so that we may be able to understand the mysteries you have come to speak to us today. We pray too for many manifestations of the Spirit in us and for those who do not have it, let the Spirit be upon them, that the Spirit will grant them understanding to understand all that you say to us today so that we just not be hearers of the word but doers of the word in your mighty name. Amen. So uh, I've titled this sermon, Two Devils and God. It wasn't supposed to be a sermon. This idea occurred to me somewhere in March. Two Devils and God. But since no one knows the way of God, I've been ordained and then I've been asked to preach, so I decided to bring it up here and then share it with everyone. Uh, two devils and God. The first devil is the one we all know, the Satan, the accuser of the brethren. The second devil is the flesh. So everybody has a devil around him or her, as we even sit here. So when they say the devil is in the house of the Lord, do not doubt that. Then the first God also needs no introduction. Even atheists are fed of him, but they just deny him. He is the I am that I am, the almighty God who has called us all and gathered us here as his chosen people. Our first scripture reading will be taken from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Genesis chapter 1 verse 6. It's just the first line that uh, I want to take. 
let us make man in our own image. And then uh, I think a couple of years ago, one of the teams of our church was uh, worshiping in spirit and in truth. The verse was taken from John chapter 4, verse 24, which shows us that God is spirit. So who, those who worship him must also worship him in spirit and truth. So if uh, spirit is creating someone in his own likeness, there's no doubt the person is also made a spirit. So God created man a spirit and then he made him his own image and likeness. There are some things we know about God that we also see in man. God has authority. So he also gave man authority. Otherwise, it wouldn't be complete to make someone in your own image and likeness and then the person still be totally subject to you with no free will. Then we know that God is sovereign. He operates, he does whatever pleases him. So he gave man his free role. But the catchphrase here is, we were made to be recipients of his love and givers of his love also. So we cannot just totally be on our own. We are supposed to be connected to God. So when God said, let us create man in our own image, that was the creation of the second God. There are supposed to be two gods, but... We'll get to that place. But when God said, let us create man in our own image, that was the creation of the second God. So the second God is basically the representation of God on earth. God is in heaven, and then because he, he made man in, in his own image, he rules over all things. His authority is heaven and on earth. But he decided to give man the authority on earth so that they will be co-equal. He will, that's why he can call us a friend. If your friend has a Benz and you have a Benz, then he's your friend. If your friend has a Benz and he walks, uh, you are just merely doing someone a favor. Hallelujah. So God is the head of everything, spiritual and physical, but he relinquished the physical part to man. That is why he gave us body so that we'll be able to live in this world he has created for man. When you, when you read the uh, order of creation, he created everything man would need before man came, so that when man comes, he would have no need, no worry. And then, when God created us, we are created like God, so we have the spirit of God, we have our soul, and we have the body, because we are supposed to live or reside on this earth. So just as God is in three persons, man can also be said to be in three persons being the spirit, the soul, and the body. Hallelujah. So now let's go to the first devil, who is Satan. When you read Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, you realize that Satan, it speaks about the king of Tyre, but theologically, when you go in, they tell you, it also talks about Lucifer. Because we know no one, no man who is perfect. When you read, it says, Son of man, take up a dead for the king of time and say to him, Thou says the Lord, you had the full measure of perfection and the finishing touch, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. We know no man who is full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, except Jesus Christ. And this was before Jesus Christ, so we realized that this was Lucifer because God made Lucifer so perfect so that he would lead his angels in praises before him. 
And then when you read Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it talks about how Lucifer fell from heaven because of pride and certain things he wanted to do. So that is the first devil we have. He's also spirit because he was in, he- he was in heaven. This body cannot stay in heaven. So if Satan was in heaven, he's also spirit. So we cannot see Satan even if he wants amongst us. So he also needs, to, if he wants to appear in, on earth or he wants to manifest or influence the physical world, he needs to possess someone. And that's where the second devil comes in. That's our flesh. No, initially, when God created us, there wasn't supposed to be any second devil. But due to the fall in Genesis chapter 3, uh, man, the spirit of God in man was taken away as a result of the direct disobedience man gave unto God's instruction. God forewarned us, but some way, somehow, man decided to go for his own freedom, and then it took him that way. So then the spirit left the man. Now the body is without a spirit. And now the body, which was previously inhabited by a spirit, means any other spirit can take up the body. So the flesh is up for the taking. Who is going to do the taking? Hallelujah. So that was the death of the second God. We died as second gods. And then that also brought about the resurrection or the introduction of the second devil. And then when you read, it also tells you that we didn't just lose the second devil status also, but it also comes with the authority on earth. Man was given authority. God asked him to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over all creatures. So when we, lo- when we lost our status as the second devils, that authority was also lost. Hallelujah. That was... Satan's second attempt at coup d'etat. We know how he fell from heaven. He wanted to raise his throne throne above God in a coup d'etat fashion, but he and his cohorts couldn't succeed, so we were brought to earth. Then he tried again on God's creator, whom God so much loved, and then to the envy of Satan, he succeeded in overthrowing the spirit of God from the throne seat of the human body. The ideas of two gods and two devils and a God concerns an ongoing war we face as Christians and how handicapped we sometimes make the war appear before God. We tend to unconsciously help the devil get us whilst we say we are fighting him. I believe everyone here, when we ask whose side are you on, we all say you're on the Lord's side, like the song. I'm on the Lord's side. Everybody's on the Lord. If you're not on the Lord's side, can I see your hand up? So I believe we are all on the Lord's side. But somehow, some way, unconsciously, we tend to help the devil. And then the loophole the devil has in us is our body, is our flesh. If we do not put the flesh and it's deed to death, just like, and it's deed to death, then just like Apostle Paul feared, we might be disqualified even after we preach the gospel to others. In Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he said, But like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached the gospel to others, 
I myself will not be disqualified as unfit for service. Most of my scriptures are from the Amplified Version. So if the IT people want to project Amplified Version. So it shows that we can preach the gospel to others. And then in the long run, because of our body, we'll be declared as, we'll be disqualified as unfit for service. That's somehow serious. So when the Lord said, some of you will come and say, we casted demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. But he will say, I do not know you. The word of God didn't lie. We will preach to others. But if we do not put our body under subjugation, we will be declared as unfit for service. Cast your mind back and wide and try to remember all the scandals you know, possibly involving men of God. You realize it's the flesh. It's either one couldn't keep his zip closed or couldn't keep his hands from the offering bowl. Usually these are the two things, and then these two things have to do with humanity. Human weakness, they would always blame. And it's true because that's the only weakness we have. There is no weakness in the spirit. The spirit of God is perfect, and if he resides in you, there is no weakness. So, if they say it's human weakness, it's perfectly understandable. And we know what makes us humans. When I say us, I mean we, the spirits residing in the body. We know what makes us humans. That's our flesh. So in our ongoing war, we claim to be on God's side. But because we have not defeated our level God, our level devil, when I say our level devil, first God is the I am that I am. First devil is Satan. They fight themselves. Second devil is God representation. That is us, the spirits residing here. And then the second devil is our flesh. So when I say you have not defeated your, your level devil, you, are supposed to, you cannot defeat Satan. That's not your fight. Or who here can do that? Maybe we would have to wait for Confanochi too to come back. But sadly, he's not back. So we cannot defeat the first devil. He's not on our level. It's like an apprentice going to challenge someone's master. You have to challenge his apprentice too. So if you murder him, you go and tell your boss, oh, or you le cry, Benyano. So we claim you are on God's side, but because you have not defeated our level devil, it's like there's a mole in God's army. When I say a mole, those of you who watch movies, military movies, and I think you will get it well, but for the sake of the Korean series lovers, too, let's explain to them a bit. When we say a mole, a mole is more like a spy. Russian, there's an ongoing food where Russians, uh, Americans believe Russians have sent some spies into the U.S. Army who are gathering information for the Russian Army. So just like that, it's like we are in God's Army, but we are merely exposing the devil to what God wants to do. Let's say one of us here is like that. I'm preaching this word. So you go and then go and tell his members, Charlie, and then I send me a buy and then the person is here listening to the word. Probably not intentionally going to do that, but because he has not defeated his level devil, he will go and out of human weakness, go and expose some secrets in God's army where they are planning to attack, the time they are planning to attack, and then the devil will go prepared. You can't ambush the devil. 
That's what I want to mean when I say there's a move in God's army. So like I said, the flesh is up for the taking. It's an empty host waiting to be possessed either by the first God or the first devil. Either by the first God or the first devil. They both will do that through their proxies or representatives. God has God is spirit and he also made spirits like us. So if you give yourself up to God, he will take the body. If you give yourself up to Satan, he will take the body. There's another catch here. You know, God is sovereign, but he doesn't flout rules or laws he has made. If he did, he would have killed Satan immediately after the fall of Adam. But then, then he, probably, he made Satan aware that he will come back. He knows spirits cannot reside in, on earth. You can't come and then just come and do anything. It's because when you read from Genesis, he tells you, let them have dominion. He relinquished everything. You can't give something and then still want it back. So God found a way that for him to come and defeat Satan, he has to come in human form. Then he came and then showed us the way. So when it comes this way, God is sort of handicapped or cornered. Because if I'm here and I've not, uh, see, I, I have not given God the permission to um, he would, in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 he says I stand at the door and knock he's not going to enter into your heart when you have not invited him but Satan on the other hand somebody says Satan he doesn't give a damn about any of these things he sees you empty hose ah, then one of the spirits will come and take you up and then lead you to somewhere you may not want to be Satan does everything contrary to God. Everything he does opposes God. So he just needs to see you as an empty host who is enjoying the world. If you're enjoying the world, he will come and make it more enjoyable and more destructive for you. But he will cover it up with the enjoyment. And then one thing we should note is also that God cannot come and defeat your level devil for you. God will not come and say, Derek, I see you are struggling in the flesh. Let me take control and then kill it for you. If God could, Apostle Paul wouldn't have said what he said. Hot God, the best God can do for us is, after we are born again, he will be prompting us to be denying our level devil. You will be there, someone will text you, let's go to a party. Some, and then something will tell you. I say something first. A while back, I used to say something a lot. I didn't know what it was. But now I know it's the Holy Spirit. Some, as the Holy Spirit will tell you, do not go, do not do this. But because we are here, and then the voice of the person close to you is so loud, you'll be tempted to, we are almost always tempted to overcome the innermost voice with what we hear from outside. So, don't make it a point. I know some people, and I used to pray that prayer too. Lord, come and help me. I'm so, so, and so things. I cannot stop. Lord, come and help me. Lord, come and help me. But in retrospect, you see that those so, so, and so things you cannot stop. At the very moment you are going to commit them, there is a voice telling you that you are ignoring. If you be true to yourself, God will not ignore or God will not stop you from doing that for you. 
He will not say, hey, my brother, come. He may, he may actually sometimes make someone interrupt you. But sometimes because you are so in tune to what you want to do, or the message you are sending to that sweet babe, tell me, bam, 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 God will not come and tell you, hey, don't do that. Or he will not all of a sudden let MTM collapse because he wants you to stop saying it. God will not come and defeat your level devil for you. Hallelujah. But he is always there to help us through the yieldings of the Holy Spirit in us. And we only ought to be obedient to the yielding of the Spirit. If you're obedient to the yielding of the Spirit, believe me, you are going to put your, your level devil to shame, to death. And then after you have preached, you will, not be, you will not be declared disqualified for service. Hallelujah. So it's up to us to defeat our flesh. And then when we defeat our flesh, we just not leave it there. Defeating our flesh also means we drag it to our side. So once we are in God, God's army, we are spirits and we have the flesh. We are no, we are no longer moles of Satan, but we are full uh, militants of God. So now, the skills of the war will tip from two devils and a god to two gods and a devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, there are so many of us here. We have accepted Jesus Christ. We have balanced, we have only balanced the equation of the, the, the skills of the war. Two devils and two gods. It's, it's better than two devils and a God. But if you do not put your level devil to death and drag it over to God's side, when you are thinking, I'm, the, I'm on the Lord's side, it doesn't have to be just your spirit saying and meaning it. You have to say it and meaning it yourself and everything inside of you. So that when you're on the Lord's side, the balance has been tipped to favor the Lord's side, two gods and the devil. And then that's where... Uh, when they say, when uh, it said in Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's for those who have been able to overcome the flesh. If you have not been able to overcome the flesh, your struggle is first most against your flesh. Because you cannot go and be praying for, be praying against satanic forces when you have a weakness in you that you cannot overcome. Discipline yourself then you can help pray against satanic forces from other uh, manifestations, maybe in other people or in other areas of your life. So then how to tip the skill in our favor, the skill of the war in our favor to two gods and the devil? And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. <clears throat> when you read Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For just as through one man's disobedience, his failure to hear, his carelessness, the many were made sinners. So through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous and acceptable to God and brought into right standing with him. Hallelujah. We've heard this word over and over again. It talks about how Adam's disobedience killed Adam's disobedience. And in the context of this word, Adam's disobedience killed us took our second God status back, but through Christ's obedience, his, his life, his sacrifice, death, and resurrection, what Adam lost, our second God status and our authority on earth has been uh, resurrected with Jesus, and then 
given unto us. But it's not given unto all men just like that. It was given unto men on condition that they believe and confess the status of Jesus and what he came to do. What's the status of Jesus? That he is the son of God. And what did he do? That he came to die for our sins. If you do not do this, you have not, you have not had a share in his death to resurrect with your status and your authority. You have to confess who he is, what he did. When you read John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the only way. When you read the Amplified Version, it puts only in there. That's why I like the Amplified Version. Uh, sometimes clear some doubt. When you say, I am the way, people will tell you there are some ways. But it says, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Hallelujah. You cannot have your God status back if you do not believe in Jesus, if you do not go through Jesus. The way through Jesus is the believing and confessing that he is Christ and then he came to die for your sins. Only then can we have our second God status back and then at that time balance the scale of the war. Hallelujah. To believe in Jesus, <clears throat> let's say now man lost the second God status, so man is without spirit as he walks on earth, only a soul and a body. So what's responsible for our acceptance and repentance of who we are and reviving of our spirit is the soul. <clears throat> it is that which houses the will, emotions, and the intellect of man. So whatever you read goes into your soul. Whatever you feel comes from your soul. Whatever you want to do, your will to do, is from your soul. And the soul is that which moves man to repent and accept Jesus and be saved. Jesus tells his disciples just before his ascension, what awaits those who believe in him? Authority on earth and salvation. It's in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. Uh, for time constraint, I will read through fast. It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved. But he who has not been, who has not believed will be condemned. When you read, it tells you, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And so on and so forth. So if you believe in Jesus, you are not only saved, but you are giving back your authority on earth. Hallelujah. Now, this same soul, which is responsible for our believing and accepting of Jesus Christ, which, is, which means our revival of the Spirit in us, this same soul is very, very programmable. That's what people don't know. It's programmable, so you have to watch what you, how you program your soul, what you watch, what you listen to and read. And by programmable, those who have done a bit of program, programming will know when I say giggle, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in your soul, it comes back. If you keep on reading stuff that are not uh, pleasing the spirit, that's what you'll be doing. It, it has a wonderful way of working. You may not even see how you transform. But those, there are a couple of us here, there are these new stories online that are very, very sexually themed. I, I know them because when I was on campus, I, I read a couple of them. 
they are so vivid and so clear that even when you are reading, you could imagine them happen right before your eyes. And then these things that go into your soul are what determines what you do with your body to a larger extent. You cannot read, uh, you cannot, uh, read uh, the sex team stuff and expect to be able to uh, do God's work diligently. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, this one, I like it from the message version. It says, here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your ordinary life, everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking. How many of us are not so well adjusted into our culture? We know the latest trends. A buyer now then, without thinking, we are speaking the new terms. Copa Tumana, we are doing all these things. I'm not saying it's a sin, but we have become so well adjusted to our culture that you move here now, Charlie, without thinking, you are the new catch. You are trending. You know everything. and Everything you know has been made manifest through your life. So, <clears throat> it continues saying, instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you, unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level of immaturity. We will heal you, we will about you, hey, papa, we're a guy, all these things. We will only heal you, but remember, first and foremost, we are not bodies, we are not flesh, we are spirits. So if the body is healing you, you should know, you shouldn't take so much delight in it. You should be healed for something that is inside of you. So we should watch what. Uh, how we program our soul so that we'll be able to we'll be able to accept and believe and then be able to balance the skills. Studies have also shown that what stays in our souls for longer times goes into our heart. That's why sometimes when your ex, when your boyfriend leaves you or you leave, something bad happens to you and then you brood over it. You think so much about it, then sometimes you think it's gone. You see some people, quote-unquote, chopping love, no, not, it's inside your heart. And then the Bible says that <clears throat> that's what the Bible asks us to guard over our hearts with all due diligence because out of it springs life, uh, flows the springs of life. If you do not guard your heart very well, what you brood over, what you stay so long on you. Even the Bible says do not let the sand go down on your anchor. But you let some emotions stay so long on you. You realize that uh, at uncalled times for the emotion, Something small will just blow you up and then everybody will be wondering, hey, I could you see the upper before, but maybe it's not because uh, you are hot-tempered, but something that, some, the way you have programmed your soul, it's entered your heart that involuntarily you do not have control. You see something or deja vu, poof, then you are on fire. So we have to be intentional about what we do, what we read, what we listen to, what we watch. There are so many songs around now that... Uh, they are enjoyable to the body, but they do a lot of harm to our spirit. They suggest they have sexually suggestive lines in them that 
Though you would think you are Ujina, or the Bible says, though you think you are strong enough to overcome them, you listen to them, listen to them, listen to them. When the time comes for you to make a judgment, you realize that your moral, your moral compass has been so spot that you don't even know whether it's right because what you have been listening to over and over again tells you that this is it. And then the Bible also tells us in Philippians chapter 8, because the Bible knows what we should, uh, what, how we should think and then how thinking goes into our heart. It tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, that finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, worthy of respect, right, confirmed, right and confirmed by God's word. Right and confirmed by God's word. There are so many things that are right in our, in our culture now, but they are not confirmed by God's word. Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure, wholesome, and whatever is loving and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually. If IT can project just that part and then highlight continually, think continually on these things. The Amplified brings another note that says, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. That means when you think continually on some things, you implant them in your heart. So this is what the Bible is admonishing us to implant in our heart. Whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect. It's in First Philippians 4 verse 8. Because of time, when you go, I would like everybody to read it and then make little adjustments. Maybe you may not be able to make all, but the journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. I don't know if I said it right. So you should be able to think like the Bible wants us to think. In that way, what will spring from your heart will be life. Like just like our God is the source of life. Then the second, the last way is staying connected to God. We are only representatives of God. Like an ambassador of Nana Kufuado in US, he cannot simply operate on his own over there over a long period of time. He always has to call his boss and check. Nana, and then the airport, from CC, this and this. So you cannot do anything on your own. Stay connected. In John chapter 15, Jesus Christ talks about being the vine, and then we in him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when you read uh, John chapter 5, verse 19, you know, when Jesus came, he came to show us the way to God and the way of life. And even he himself confessed that, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son cannot do anything of himself. Whatever he sees the father do, so does the son also. So if even Jesus or God in human form could not do anything in human form except which he saw the father do, it means we can also, also do anything. And it also means, when you look, take a look at what Jesus did, then he was actually seeing the father almost every day because he did so many things, which means that if the father heals this leper, he has to go and heal the leper. He was connected to the father. The father cures this woman of a blood disease, he has to go and cure it. The father feeds 5,000, he has to go and you have to stay connected to God. If you lose your connection to God, you are going to fail. You are going to lose the battle with your level devil. Because only then can God prompt you to deny this, deny this, today fast, today do this. If you are not connected to God, you are always going to buy that gobe and watch it you have been buying early morning. And then we also have to remind ourselves of this fight every day. If you lose, uh, if you lose note of this fight, 
we are probably going to sometimes allow the flourishing. We remind, the, remind ourselves of the fight daily and continuously and consciously put the, to death the flesh and eat deeds. And then lastly, the question I have for everyone is, how is your skill looking like? I don't know you. You may be my bosom friend, but I don't know you like you know yourself. So is your skill looking like two devils and God? Where you have not even repented of the sins you are committing? Where you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Or is your skill looking like two devils and God? Two gods? Where you have accepted Jesus Christ, but some way, somehow, you still go back to the little things you used to do, being a mole in God's army, helping the devil nullify us. Or your skill is looking like two gods and a devil, which is the way it should be. I pray that God will help all of us in our fight against our level devil so that we may all win at the end. God bless us and help us in our fight. Amen. Shall we bless our brother? Shall we bless our brother? Yes,